Welcome to Real Talk, where we're having real conversations about real HR topics for the real world. Brought to you by realtalent.com. Fantastic. So realtalent.com, where did that come from? Like such a crazy concept. If you haven't had a chance to visit realtalent.com, take a look. A lot of what we're talking about and our faces of who we are are on realtalent.com. But how did Real Talent come about? So I was actually in a conference March 2019. I recall the day very vividly. You, so, did you write it down in the calendar or is it really just burned into your memory? It's burned into my memory, actually. Nice. It is really crazy. So yeah, I was at a conference for benefits and I was sitting there watching the opening speaker, which was the president of this benefits company. And I was listening to how inspirational his mission and vision was for their people. And it was playing on a reel on the videos, the, the, the screen. And it was a it was just so motivating to have to sit there and listen to a CEO talk about how passionate they are about their people and how they put people as their first priority. So I was sitting there and all of a sudden I text Michelle and Keith and it was just super interesting because I was like, hey, we need to talk at like five o'clock this afternoon. A very, very out of the blue text that we need to talk with no explanation whatsoever. Right. Literally just the words we need to talk. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, it was a little uh, impromptu out of the ordinary for them. And we got on the call at five o'clock that afternoon because I was on East Coast, which I'm usually on the West Coast in California. But I just so happened to be at the conference in the East Coast, same time zone as Michelle and Keith. I um, got on the phone with them and their first responses or thoughts before I even said anything were... Are you dying? <laughs> like, what is this call about? This is so random. Legit told her later that she scared me and that I was had no idea what she was going to say. But it was, yeah, I was totally thrown off guard. Yeah. And for me, I think I think you got on the phone with me first and then said, hang on, I need to connect somebody else. Didn't tell me who you're connecting with. So I was sitting there on hold wondering what sort of in intervention I was being uh, subjected to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I probably shouldn't have been as shocked. Maria, wasn't it like a week or two before that, that we were in Dallas? Yeah, something like and, that. And um, we were sitting at, sitting at a restaurant, it's a place called Whiskey Cake, and we were enjoying the whiskey cake because that's what you do at Whiskey Cake. You said, you know, you, Keith, and I have the same conversation over and over and over and over again. We just never do anything with it. So it shouldn't have caught me off guard, but it totally did. Yeah. And uh, whiskey cake. Oh, gosh, I miss that place. So good. Um, if anybody's ever in, in Dallas, North Dallas, Plano area, you need to stop at whiskey cake. Um, yeah. So we constantly, Keith, Michelle, and I, in, own, our, in our own individual conversations, constantly we're talking about starting up our own company. We've uh, all three of us have worked together in a, a previous organization and we all have observed as since since we've left that organization and while we were at that organization, opportunities or flaws in their people prioritization. And so it came to me that 
these are the two most passionate people with the most also flexibility and schedules and um, availability and strengths. Hold on, hold on, Keith. You realize that she just said she invited us because we have no lives. (laughs) That's what I just started. We're passionate about having no lives. And we're passionate about having no lives. Absolutely. Sorry, Maria, keep going, keep going. (laughs) We're all passionate about having no lives and working really (laughs) towards the, the number one area of really helping companies achieve making people a priority. So from that conversation, it really just spiraled out uh, into what we've created the, uh, you know, now essentially. And so, you know, for me, I'll, uh, I'll give a little bit of update and an introduction into who I am, Maria Rodriguez. I am the managing director for really human resources, transformation, culture and engagement for real talent. And I essentially love working and creating concepts and strategies with organizations to really help realign or change and um, make some adjustments to organizations for really any part of it, right? Benefits are, it's a huge passion of mine, culture and engagement, diversity and inclusion, really every single aspect and pillar of HR is something that I've worked in as well as really been passionate about really helping elevate that talent. And so, you know, I've been working in human resources, some pillar or umbrella of human resources for gosh, over 10 years now. And every year I try to find a way to really elevate my game a little bit, uh, one notch greater than the next. And really take that to the next level and find out what are what can we do to challenge companies in a different way what are people not thinking of now what what's going to change with people in the next year to 5 years to 10 years and how do we continuously move with that and so um generational items are obviously a, a piece that we constantly have to look at because that's constantly evolving constantly changing as time goes on as well as just communication and priorities. So that's a little bit about me. But, you know, in a nutshell, again, workaholic, right? Maybe not. (laughs) But another person, right, that I've constantly been working with and partnered very closely with from a learning and development perspective is really Keith. So Keith, I'd love to hear more about your story. Sure. Uh, Thanks for that intro. And so I'm Keith Leonard, uh, the Managing Director of Coaching and Team Building here at Real Talent. And my background, I started off in, in music education. And anyone who's ever worked in the arts knows that you can't always depend on the arts as, as being a full-time career. So while I was in the arts, I was constantly taking positions in retail management for different organizations. And, and in every company that I worked for, I started off in retail management. Somebody approached me and said, we think you'd be great in our training department. And so finally, I got the hint and I said, okay, retail management is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in talent development. So that's kind of how I started off in, in here and in, in, this, in this type of role. But really, one of the things that I've discovered in over, in over 10 years and working in training and talent development is that there's a lot of, I want to say, cherry picking about who deserves to be developed and who deserves to have time invested in building them, building their career and who deserves to have time invested in building them up personally and professionally. And I really, I really got tired of hearing conversations about how 
if somebody is not planning on staying at an organization, that they don't deserve to be developed here, right? Or if somebody is just a part-time employee, then we're not going to invest in their development, right? And so uh, I've kind of taken on this philosophy that regardless of how long you're planning on being in a role or how long you're planning on staying with a company, an individual that's working on their development is going to be far more effective and far more productive in any capacity than somebody who's not. And so my passion really is around development. It's around developing people personally, professionally, helping them succeed in their roles. And if they're not in the right role, helping them find where they do belong. And I know uh, Michelle and I have had conversations about this before and years ago and about how companies can either decide whether uh, somebody who's in the wrong role should either be reassigned or whether they should be moved out. So, but I don't want to get too much into into Michelle's opinions. Michelle, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself and and uh, take it away from here. Thanks, Keith. I'm super opinionated about everything. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> not true. I'm not opinionated. So currently, I am the director of organizational development and human resources. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. And I realize that OD is just a function of HR and companies that can't have an OD department. But the reason I keep organizational development in my title is because that is my passion. I am navigating my way through the HR elements. They are not as exciting to me. They don't, they don't energize me in the same way that organizational development topics do. And Keith, to your point, you know, a lot of those things around succession planning or how you cherry pick who gets development and who doesn't. Those are the things that I, that I want to um, find a way to address in, in my role um, and with other organizations that we support through real talent. So I came to HR in a very unconventional way as well. You know, you heard how Maria got there. You heard how Keith got there. I actually started in operations as well. I remember one evening where I was talking to a third shift employee uh, transitioning second shift items to this third shift employee. And I remember looking at him going, you know, I do this pretty good. I guess this is what I do. I guess this is what I do. And it was kind of my grown up moment where I was like, I guess this is what I do. I work operations. I'm in production. I'm in operations management. And then less than six months later, I transitioned into a training role. And that was where my passion started is I was able to take that expertise from being great at the operational function and move it into the world where I got to train other people. And from there, had some great opportunities. But when I look back at them, I see exactly what Keith is talking about. I see a situation where one person at a time was sort of cherry-picked or plucked out of this group of 30 to 40 people. And there were moments that I was that person that kind of got plugged out, cherry-picked and said, let's work on your development. But then when I couldn't or didn't want to go in the direction any longer, I was suddenly put back on the tree and someone else was plugged to go forward, right? And then all of my development and all my opportunities sort of ceased at that point. I decided never again. I actually went from... Uh, 20 years, almost 20 years with an organization. It was really hard, really hard to leave that company, not because I didn't think I would survive somewhere else, but just because they were part of, like, they were my entire adult life. 
I became an adult. I became a grown-up at that company. Uh, and Maria used to laugh at me. Maria, I don't know if you remember. And then now I've decided that companies have to have the right philosophy for me to stay. And if that means, um, if that means I find a new opportunity somewhere else in a couple of years, then that's what it is. Because for me now, it is driven more by what Maria said in regards to that CEO. It's do they put people first? Do they give us the opportunities? Do they give us all the opportunities to get better? Or are we just really looking at it from a one-sided perspective? It's one of the reasons I admire Starbucks. I know it could be a very controversial topic. There are a lot of people on the other side of the Starbucks lane. Super controversial. It's super controversial, but frankly, I don't care because remember (laughs) I said I was opinionated. But Starbucks did something really before a lot of other companies did it where they said, I don't care what you go back to school for. I'll pay your full tuition. Done. Paid. Tuition paid. They didn't care if you were going to be a marine biologist or if you wanted a business degree. They didn't care what your degree was in because they believed, to Keith's point earlier, they believe making people better and getting them into that best fit place just makes people better. And then they were good with that. So that's the kind of organization that I want to be a part of. And it's the kind of organization that I want to support through realtalent.com. Yeah, I think we all agree on that one. Yeah, I think it's that, you know, you're describing the difference between the old model of grooming certain people for positions versus lifting up everybody and allowing your best people or your most effective people to step forward on their own. Yep, for sure. And it's not something that we've all figured out. You know, the truth is most companies have a lot of legacy programs, legacy policies, and even antiquated leaders who aren't ready to move into a different place. That's why we're here to give them a push. A gentle push. We're not going to turn them off <laughs> Right? Because that would violate HR practices, I am sure. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, yeah. we're, not, we're not your normal HR people anyways. I would say that that's another thing that, that I find most interesting about this group. It's very rare to be able to work with people where you can truly have a difference of opinion, respect it if it doesn't change, but then as a business, support each other, even if it wasn't your original idea. I would say comfortably, I haven't really seen that since my operational role. And we had a nice management core team where if you were seeing it from the outside, you'd probably think that some of our meetings were arguments because we would all just passionately or loudly lay our, our point of opinion on the table. We would debate it out until we got to a, a resolution. And then we all went out and supported each other. And I feel that when I'm with you guys, I feel this ability to express myself however I want to. And then I know that you'll, you guys will be okay if my opinion isn't completely aligned with yours. Yeah, for sure. Because I think we're I think we're all dedicated to moving in the same direction, but I think we're all just we all have a very good ability about staying flexible about how we get there. It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. You know, the the, the point of this podcast and for you all listening to this is is obviously, you know, we're gonna um, talk a little bit about what you can expect in our future podcasts. But you know, I, I think 
you know, just to give you some, you know, insight into into my thoughts and my passion, it's it's a, a lot of what Michelle and Keith had mentioned most recently. There's a lot of people that, gosh, the day to day is just moving constantly. And in operations, sales operations in any part of your business, not necessarily the human resource department, you know, you're constantly moving and trying to motivate your people and get work done and execute on profits. And we get that. But how can you try to find some time in your day to really focus on your people to make sure that they, you know, there, there's multi, uh, multi aspects that you consider that you don't drop the ball on while you're trying to get, you know, increased profits and all of that going on essentially in your day to day. So how do we still drive and motivate our people while still focusing and prioritizing on them? So I think that's the the million dollar question everybody tries to navigate through. You know, they want to be able to do some more, but at the same time, they have, you know, additional challenges and barriers that they deal with just by trying to get things done. And there's so many hours in the day. So, you know, that's where we come in and we help you try to find out how you can still make that a priority in your day to day. You know, it's funny. There are a few exceptions to this rule. And and one of us probably shops from one of these exceptions every single day from our smartphone every day of our lives. But for the most part, there is clear, clear linkage between good HR practices, good HR policies, and the success of a business. You know, one of the things that we want to be really clear on when it comes to our business, as well as when it comes to your business, is business is about generating income. At the end of the day, if people, even nonprofit, if nonprofits didn't have money to support whatever that nonprofit is, they would not be in existence. So whether you're a nonprofit, whether you are a for-profit business, the goal is to, to make money because money drives whatever it is you're doing. There's no question that that's what we're here to support. We're here to support businesses achieving their business goals, but we're going to bring the data that shows clearly that the easiest way to do that is through effective HR practices. To Maria's point, putting your people first makes a difference. Yeah, I think we're seeing in this in the current climate of uh, of this pandemic world we're living in right now that we're starting to see people recognize that people who are being deemed as quote essential employees really are the the backbone of of any business. And I think post this uh, world we're living in right now, we'll start to see a shift towards. Hopefully, we'll start to see a shift towards people valuing their people in a in a in a more unique way than we've done before especially since we're, we're seeing that the people that we've, we've typically placed as, uh, uh, you know, the, the lowest on the totem pole are the ones that are, are keeping businesses alive today. True statement. You know, what's funny is prior to this pandemic, most employers' problems, most businesses' problems were really low unemployment, right? Like there were so few people out there. It was an employee's choice. And most of us, had had to transition to active recruiting where we were seeking people out who had jobs because you weren't getting the applicants or the quality of applicants just by doing job posting, right? That's going to change dramatically after, after we come out of COVID-19. And I think 
to the dismay of some organizations, they're going to end up failing um, because it's still going to be an employee market because there are going to be so many of them out there, right? But I guarantee people are going to make smarter choices on where they go because there will be so many opportunities to go places if I were displaced as a result of this particular pandemic. I can tell you one of the first things that I would do is identify how they treated their people. I would identify how they laid people off. I would identify if they tried to come up with a solution other than jumping straight to furlough. And I'm not saying that that wasn't a smart business choice for the companies that made it. They made choices that they had to, but I'd want to see what else they did. I'd want to see how they did those furloughs because what that tells me is in times of stress, I'm a believer that in times of stress is when you learn someone's true characteristic. They can't fake it anymore because they've sort of, from it, this is, sorry, the OD in me, from a personality perspective, the dark side of your personality comes out when you are experiencing extreme stress. And so people can't hide what their natural tendencies are because it's so stressful. I see it with people I work with every day who never would have imagined the way they talk to people today, but because they're stressed, they use different tone of voice, different words. And those are the things that I would want to look for at a company if I were reselecting a place to start. I think that we could probably all seen in recent days and weeks uh, some examples of companies that have been working through this effectively and, and with lots of thoughtfulness of their workforce. And, and then there's some organizations that are doing just the opposite. And I think we've uh, probably seen some pretty strong examples of both. I was going to say, it. some people have shown up in a shit show, basically. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some folks, you could use the words clusterfuck or shit show, whichever one you want, but that's kind of the way they showed up for work during this pandemic. Right, right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and you can see it too. I mean, for those of you on uh, LinkedIn, right? You can see people that have really shared the story of them being furloughed and what a clusterfuck it has been, how they were treated. So you can definitely see that through just comments people are making looking for jobs. It's not intentional. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're intentionally trying to throw anybody under the bus. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I think the situation is was so egregious that they're like, hey, this is what happened to me today. And yeah, this is, you know, I'm looking for a job, somebody help out. And it's great to, you know, for them to have support in a network. You know, it's interesting that you talk about social media in particular. You know, a lot of companies waffle between, do we need a really strong social media policy or do we not? And, and the truth is, I think it's somewhere in between. I think you got to have some policy, but the reality is employees discussing their work conditions is protected. Depending on what country you're in. <laughs> listen, true. listen, global HR director. <laughs> that is a true statement. Yeah, but I, there, there has to be something in between. But the reality is, that's how we communicate these days through social media. So if you're a company, expect other people to learn from your employees. You know, and beyond, beyond the, uh, the fact that we're talking about social media being, being a right of employees, I think if you're biggest concern is that your employees are going to be saying negative things about you on social media. I think your biggest concern is not your policy, but your culture. Can I get an amen or savior of your choice, right? Whatever. <laughs> That's what you need to talk about. You need to stop focusing on what your social media policy is 
You need to identify what the problem with your culture is. You nailed it, Keith. So what can um, folks expect from us other than bantering? So I have to tell you, we don't always agree. This is one of my favorite topics to disagree with Maria on. So Maria, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about the fact we don't all agree. I believe that people work because they have bills to pay. And I believe that most of us would not work if we did not have to have money to live life. I believe that most of us would have some bonbons, an umbrella, some sand, and some waves rolling up. At least that is unquestionably where I would be on the beach with some bonbons. Now, because I have to work, notice I use the phrase have to work. Because I have to work, because I have bills to pay, I choose to work someplace I like. Maria has a slightly different opinion about this. I do. You know, I don't mind being on a beach. I don't know about bonbons. I'm not a huge bonbon person. But you I know, don't really even know what bonbons are, to be honest with you. It just sounds good. Chocolate gooeyness. You know, I'd rather be on a beach with oh, a, yeah, a margarita. A margarita yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something with a little bit of tequila on it. Uh, or maybe a protein shake or, uh, you know, a fresh squeezed juice. Oh, know. my you know, God. Did you know, she just say fresh squeezed juice? <laughs> I'm a West Coast. With, Come on. With vodka in it? I was just going to say, fresh squeezed juice with tequila in it. <laughs> either one. Either one. I'll take either one. But yeah, no, I believe people work because they want to work and they enjoy what they do and in and, and, and different aspects. I think, you know, most of the world, you know, they work to live. And in the U.S., we live to work. And in, you know, some other parts of the the the, the world, right? You take a look and there's different aspects there on what the the cultural norms are. A lot of people in the U.S. can get very frustrated with people on other parts of the world because there's, we work so hard and we work so much and things like that. But, you know, I do believe in the concept of if you find a, a you know, a career or a job, whichever you want to call it, that you love to do, you never, you'll never have to work a day in your life. So I'm very passionate about that is, that, you know, if you're passionate and you enjoy what you do every day, then it won't necessarily feel like work. So yeah, that's where Michelle and I kind of don't see eye to eye on that topic where I don't think I could stay home in retirement for the rest of my life. I constantly have to be challenging myself. And I think others do as well in some aspect, not everybody. I'm not generalizing or making a normalization of anything, but you know, I think there's different aspects there where I could still sit on the beach with a Mai Tai, but with my laptop and still helping other people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you get in it. If I if I can jump in, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be riding both sides of the fence here, but I really think it depends on on what what your contribution is, right? I think that some people find themselves in positions where they, yes, they're working because it's the means to an end, right? It's their it's their paycheck, it's what allows them to have weekends, it's what allows them to have family time and and the things that they like and vacations and things like that. And on the other hand, I think if you're in a position where it's not a job, but it's uh, part of you're helping to fulfill a mission and it's providing you opportunities to grow and to contribute to something beyond yourself, then I think that I, I think that work becomes part of of who you are and not just something that you do. So again, I would like to reiterate what I heard. And what I heard was clearly I don't belong in America. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. So that's actually one of the reasons that I brought up that subject was to talk a little bit about what you can expect from us. 
one of the things that you can expect is that we're going to bring you different perspectives. We're, we're going to bring three different points of view from the three of us, but we're also purposely going to find people to be able to talk um, multiple sides of a topic. If we can't, if we don't have a difference of opinion, we happen to be aligned, we'll reach out and find someone that brings a difference of opinion. I think one of the other things that you can find with us, I think as the first person on this call that dropped a cuss word, and it's not that we cuss necessarily, we don't cuss that much. We don't really cuss that much, Maria. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we don't. We're really passionate about stuff. (laughs) Right. That's it usually. And when we're talking about people who are doing it badly, it's easy to drop some profanity. But we did push the envelope. We are going to bring up topics that people like to ignore, like culture. People certainly like to ignore the role that they play in culture, right? So many companies are like culture is an HR thing. Mm, Stop, because you're killing me. It's the reason your company culture sucks. Is because one group of people cannot drive a company's culture effectively. It has to be a united voice with all people moving in the same direction. So we're going to bring those topics up and we're going to be honest about them. Maybe present them in a way you haven't heard them before. What else can they expect from us? Yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, there's obviously, like you mentioned it, difference of uh, opinion and and ideas. I think everybody has a different thought. Every uh, employee that works for an organization will have a difference of opinion on how they think a company should be ran. I think every HR department person who's speaking, you know, listening on this call or any business leader who's listening to, you know, our podcasts will be, you know, listening to try to understand what's going to, you know, really follow their heart and their direction and where they want to move their businesses. I think what else they can really expect is just for uh, a difference in topics to talk about all things people, um, different guest speakers on our calls. So it's not just going to be our three voices that you're going to hear. But, you know, uh, sharing that, sharing topics, sharing feedback on what's really happening in certain parts or really help help you really move the needle in your organization, whether you're an employee listening to this call or you're a business leader listening to this call or a podcast, you'll be able to really, you know, hear how to really help move the needle in those two aspects, as well as, you know, some literature, I don't know, bookshelf items, right? Michelle and Keith, uh, some options for us to really help focus on, you know, help you focus on driving you're learning your knowledge in a certain topic or area that you're really motivated and passionate about. Keith, anything Anything I missed there? No, I don't think so. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that I think that what makes, makes, makes us such a strong team and partnership here is that we are not just committed to our own voices, but also committed to bringing in outside ideas. I know for me, I'm, you know, I've gotten to where I've gotten because of the the collected ideas and guidance of mentors and 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 coaches and teachers that I've had the privilege of working with, and as well as uh, some fantastic you know books and courses that I've that I've read and taken. So I'm definitely looking forward to bringing some bringing our our thoughts on some outside influences too, some some books and and uh, some people who are really are really shining in this space. So I think it's also our goal to not our goal. It will happen is to drop a segment every week. Those segments will vary in time. When we have those opportunities to bring in people from different organizations, those may be a little bit longer because we've got that different 
that additional perspective, we want to really showcase and give them a chance to share what they are doing. But you can expect a podcast from us every week. These are designed just for you to help you start thinking about these topics that are super important. But they'll vary in time from 15 minutes to probably 30, 45 minutes, depending on what the different segments are. I think we'll also have, I don't think, I know, we'll have some reoccurring topics. Keep your bookshelf comment. Who's, who brought up the book? Was it Keith, you? That'd be me. Oh, are you sure? Because you guys sound so much alike. We do, I know. I know, it's like twins. I have a very deep um, <laughs> No, it works for you, you should, you should do that. Um, you know, it's something that a lot of people do, but you know, what we're going to try to do is to, to what Keith said, what are some of the things that really pushed us to where we are today, what our opinions are, books that help develop us. So guys, out of curiosity, what is a book that you have pulled off the bookshelf recently? Anybody have an example? Oh, yeah. I would say, you know, the one, actually, it's called The One. Uh, yeah, isn't it a good book? I just got it. Um, so yeah, that was definitely one that I got inspired by from Rachel Hollis's conference that I went to back in, gosh, November of 2019. So that was one that I've recently picked up that I got inspired by. Yeah, I, I recently, uh, and I think Maria, I think I've mentioned this one to you, the one that I just most recently uh, read, and I actually read it twice because it was so uh, intriguing to me, is called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. It, the reason why I, it piqued my interest so much is because it, it, it talked about the difference between high achievers versus mediocre performers and how the research has pinpointed what drives people to perform at a high level versus struggling or or performing at a lower level and so uh, that's a topic that that's a book that I'm looking forward to talking about on this on this podcast because it was uh, like I said I read it twice because it was such a hit with me nice well since you asked Michelle I'm glad you shared because now I'm going to put that on my reading list the 24 books that I have stacked up next to my books my nightstand <laughs> Another reoccurring segment that you'll hear on our podcast is the way of wellness. We're not really sure that that's what we're going to call this. But what we know confidently is that there has to be a balance, a balance of work, a balance of rest, whether it's your laptop on the beach with the margarita or like me, you keep those two things separate. There has to be something that becomes balanced for you guys. We're going to talk about things that businesses are doing to make it successful. Actually, really cool thing that we're doing at my job, we started a couple weeks ago, is I'm having someone lead a guided meditation with the HR team once a week. Pretty stressful to be in HR right now, in case you guys didn't know. And it became so popular that we actually broadened the audience to a larger group of people. And we just have a professional or Reiki certified. Reiki. Um, listen, I need you all to stop making fun of me. <laughs> Whatever. She's certified to tell you how to... Med I don't even know how you get a meditation certification, but she's good nonetheless. And she tells us how to meditate. It's a guided meditation we do in a dark room once a week to try to keep our sanity. Wait, another so, thing. Michelle, that let's back up a little bit. You, actually, we can edit lots of that out. You work uh, another job on top of real talent. I do, and I also go to school, and then I have a part-time gig too. Pretty busy. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. I didn't know our listeners knew that. So. Oh, yeah. But I think you guys are as well. Like Keith volunteers. Keith has a full-time job. Keith does this job. Yeah, Keith I raise chicken. You play chicken? You raise I said chicken? I raise chickens. <laughs> he raises chickens. Are you redoing the house? Uh, always. See, Maria, you, you're juggling a couple of director roles right now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm pretty busy too, but I didn't know our listeners knew we actually multitask in our lives. So we do, we do. That's, but that is in fact why we think balance is so important is that there has to be, it's also what's worked really well with this group is, you know, when one of us has, has an emergency, the other two step up. You guys did that for me for sure. Over the Christmas holiday, that's a tough time of year for me. You guys sort of let me back out. Uh, didn't harass me about real talent. And then when it calmed down, you welcomed me right back in. We also are going to feature best practices. Can you tell us a little bit more about showcasing the good of the good. Well, I think I think it's important for us to look outside of ourselves and for our listeners to look outside of our of the organizations that you're currently working in and take a look at who's doing things really well and who's kind of uh, messing things up in in terms of human resources and culture and development. And so I think the point of highlighting organizations that are doing things well is so that we can help you to set the example of what is what's the right thing to do rather than to be a warning for other organizations. So I think that's, uh, that's going to be an important topic to look at who's doing things well and, you know, some things to watch out for that have put people on the wrong path. We're also going to make sure that we feature uh, both an employee and an employer perspective. You know, if you have employees, you should care what is important to them as an employer. Maria, I know that this This kind of dual perspective is something that has driven you throughout your career. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from a podcast perspective, we want to help not only business leaders in an organization help elevate their people perspective, but we also want to help those of you listening that are employees of an organization. So, you know, free advice essentially is uh, what you're getting out of this, but also for you, you know, to really help elevate yourself or, or options for you to help elevate your business and propose to your business leaders and really help helping to elevate their game. So I think those are dual perspectives so that anybody can listen to this podcast and get something to take away for their day to day. Yeah, one topic that I think that dual perspective is going to really come in handy is our next podcast. So work from home is a topic that I am passionate about. I actually left an organization, two organizations that were really comfortable with work from home, particularly in the positions that I held. It was really common. We had lots of virtual communication tools. But then I stepped into manufacturing. And manufacturing, I'm pretty sure, has not decided to leave 1994 yet. So the idea of work from home is really scary to them. Maria, you've done some manufacturing. Keith, you have oh, yeah. too, right? Right. Yeah. There's certain companies that work from home is just a foreign concept. It's, yeah, like you had mentioned, it's back in yep. the early 90s. <laughs> it, 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 it is. It's like, it's like the days that you were required to wear your heels in your three-piece suit to wear, you know, when you had to dress like the bride in the room. <laughs> yeah. 
companies don't care about that anymore. In fact, um, actually companies that care about work don't care about those things anymore. And I'm trying to change some of that where I work as well. But that work from home piece, it's really hard. You know, you've got the employer who needs people to continue to do to do the work so that companies progress, even if we are in the middle of a pandemic. Then you have all these supervisors that have no idea how to manage people that are not in the same building as them. And then you have employees who, frankly, I think that as as employers, it's time that we start to focus more on, on the work that's being produced and less on time clocks. I've heard of companies that are scheduling beginning of shift and end of shift Zoom meetings so they can make sure someone's on at the start and the end of the day. Some of the things that they're not considering is that these parents are also having to homeschool children at the same time or take care of sick people at the same time within their household. Maybe supporting, I'm the grocery shopper for people in my family who are immunocompromised. So I don't want them to get out and get sick. So I do it for them. There needs to be the ability to, to empathize with that situation and start truly focusing on are we meeting the deadlines and are we turning in the quality of work, not when are we punching a clock. Because at the end of the day, do you really care when they punch the clock or do you care that the job is getting done? So I think that what you'll hear in that next podcast is how do we support employees that are struggling, but how do we support employers and supervisors that are struggling as well. Yeah, and I think it'll be important too for us to highlight not only how do we how do employers deal with working, managing a remote workforce, but also there's going to be some additional skills needed to help support your remote your remote workforce, especially for those employees who find themselves working from home for the first time. Yep. We're all looking at Maria in Zoom waiting for her to say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. So You know, as far as, you know, that goes, yeah, I think we're just going to have a a ton of options. So I would say stay tuned. Make sure you come back to Real Talk so we can really talk about working from home. Until next time. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.